Hello and welcome to the Marketing Meetup podcast. My name is Joe Glover. Today's podcast is something that's super interesting. It is uh, something that almost feels a little bit like unbroken ground in marketing research, and that's research into the marketing brief, a document that Peter Paul and Matt Davis of Better Briefs contend is the most important document in marketing. It's certainly one that starts off a relationship between an agency and a client on the right foot or the wrong foot. So getting it right is super important. And that's what they've dedicated their time into finding out how to do in in the most productive way and where things are going right or wrong between agencies and clients uh, over this past year through a massive uh, survey known as Better Briefs. It was a really interesting discussion that was very stat heavy. So you have a lot of ammunition to go back to your agencies or back to your clients and say, you know what, we might be speaking a different language here. How can we actually make our relationship just a little bit better by focusing on this brief? It was a really interesting chat and certainly one that was emphasized by the chat in the in the uh, chat feature as well, uh, where the community were just sharing some really, really, really interesting insights uh, throughout the duration of the session. A really, really good one. Um, so I'm going to hand over to Peter Paul, Matt and Vaughan, who was their research partner at Flood and Partners. Um, but before I do, I just want to say a big thank you to our sponsor for today's session, who are Impression. As we were focusing on agency and client relationships, then it made sense to feature one of our agency partners. Uh, and Impression are great ones. Impression focus on SEO, PPC, CRO, uh, all the marketing acronyms, but also a range of other marketing services. Um, they're a phenomenal company run by great people, most importantly, who have just exploded over this past year with uh, HQ in Nottingham, but also in London, um, and just been doing a really, really great job over these past few years. We're really super proud to work with them. So please do check out Impression. Their MD is called Aaron. He's a really great guy. And if you have the moment, do send a message to say thank you to Aaron uh, for supporting the marketing meetup. With all that said, I'm going to hand over to Peter Paul, Matt and Vaughan for today's session on how to create better briefs. Take care. Good morning, good afternoon and good evening, everybody here. Um, We're coming to you live from Melbourne where it's evening. So behind Matt, you slowly see the sunset probably at some stage. Um, Let's dive straight in. Matt and I are two advertising strategists. And let's start with the background of of how this thing all started. And as with many of the great stories, our starts in a pub over beers. And um, once again, maybe uh, Matt and I found ourselves complaining about the poor state of the briefs we were getting from clients. Um, Matt and I have worked in, in multiple countries uh, the Netherlands, uh, the UK, and, and now Australia. And we've also worked in many different categories. And we were wondering if there might be a universal problem um, with briefs rather than just our grumpy, narrow-minded perspective. Um, and instead of just moaning that night, as many many strategists do, we actually woke up the next morning and we wanted we decided to do something about it. 
And the first thing we actually did was we started to research the topic. And to our surprise, we actually found very, uh, we found that very little research had been done on what we think is the most important document in marketing. Um, the IPA, uh, which is based in the UK, did a research on it, dedicated research on it, and um, what they found was quite gloomy. It painted quite a bleak picture. But this study was done 18 years ago, and it was only done in the UK, and it only had just under 300 respondents. Um, we also found an absolutely excellent uh, literature study from the Netherlands. Um, that's where the funny accent is from. And um, it, it provided a great overview of academic papers and academic approaches. It interviewed 37 market, uh, marketeers and strategists in the Netherlands, but it's only available in Dutch. And then in the USA, um, there's the ANA, which is the client trade body. They did a study on client relationships and the same with the WFA. Um, they studied client relationships and those two studies contained a couple of questions on, on Breeze. And that was it. Not much done uh, on such an important topic. So we decided to, to dive into that gap. Um, and, and we decided to try and fill it because we want to understand why are, are some marketing briefs good and why um, are others bad? And, and what's, right, what, what's the reason behind it? We also wanted to bring some objectivity to the discussion because you, you might have been involved in some of these discussions between uh, uh, marketers and agencies. And when it comes down to the brief, they're always really, really subjective. Everybody has an opinion on them, but everybody comes at it from their own perspective. So we thought if, if we research this thing, then we can bring some neutrality to this, uh, uh, to this topic. However, we couldn't do it alone. So we quickly called what we think is the best researcher in town, Vaughan Flood. And Vaughan and his team played an absolutely crucial role in helping us uh, pull this project together. Um, not only did he set up the research, all the way in the beginning, he did something very important. He said to us, boys, you need to take the anger out of all of this. You guys are really, really angry and we're not, we're not gonna get anywhere if you, if you, if you don't take a neutral approach. So um, those were very wise and important words he said to us from the beginning. And you'll see that everything we present is from a really neutral perspective. And, and we're not taking a side here. With this entire report and research, we're just exposing a massive problem that we hope helps to make it better. Um, Vaughn, over to you now. Um, just tell us a little bit more research. It's, it's always good to take the anger out of everything. Isn't it? I, um, hi, guys. Um, well, thanks, thanks, Peter Paul, for that uh, that little tee up. Um, yeah, from 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 our perspective, an important project like this kind of needs needs a survey to match. Um, I think whatever we look at and look to do, the goal is not to just skim the surface, but to kind of uncover the emotions and feelings that that normally drive us drive a situation. It's the kind of stuff that, frankly, we'd say traditional surveys are not that great at reaching. Um, so yeah, we, we, we used our, what I'm, I'm happy to describe as award-winning and groundbreaking approach to surveys to do this. Um, this is a survey without radio buttons, check boxes, um, but are basically designed to go fit deeper to capture the emotions, the, the instinctive associations, the hidden feelings that actually 
drive <laughs> what people do and what they think uh, in this particular area. So, so I mean, just very quickly, and I, I know that many of you participated in this survey, and thanks very much for doing that. Um, yeah, there's, there's kind of, you know, on the one hand, we ask questions designed to capture the instinctive, the kind of type one responses, whether it's a good old Tinder swipe right, swipe left type things or bubbling things or whatever. On the other hand, there's more to life than, than the instinctive. There's, there's also times when you want to get people to think harder, think, think more deeply. And again, we use an array of methods to, to, to reach out to that. The result, where did we end up with? We ended up with over 1,700 people. Um, I wouldn't say pouring their heart out in all cases, but some people certainly did when you he, when he read those, those open-ended. But a, a very vivid picture, 1,700 people, the largest study of this community, I think it's fair to say, uh, that's, that's ever been, been conducted. And those 1,700 people, more than 1,700 people, come like you guys from all around the world. Yes, there's a, there's a few local hotspots, but over 70 countries were involved. Uh, and with a, you know, with a really good split, 55-45 in favor of kind of marketeers, but a really good split. So all the data you're gonna see from here on in is, is I think we can fairly say is truly uh, meaningful and significant in, in both senses of the word. Okay, over to you guys. Thank you, Vaughan. It's my pleasure to take us through the survey. But before I do, uh, I just want to get a couple of terms clear for everyone, uh, just so we know what we're we're talking about and how we define each of these um, these key points. Um, and, and look for these colours as we go through the survey. So every time we refer to a marketer, uh, and that data is is always in orange. Uh, and every time we refer to a creative agency, that data is always in blue. So just keep that in the back of your mind as we go through um, the, the data as well. So marketer, anyone with, with, when we talk about marketers, we're talking about anyone who's writing a brief, contributing to a brief uh, or approving a brief. Um, and so that is split out in the data um, when necessary. But keep in mind, anyone who touches a brief um, was what, who we wanted to respond in this survey. When we're talking about creative agency, it, it can be account managers, strategists, creatives, or, or management of that agency as well. So again, anyone who touches a brief, we thought it was really important to, to glean their responses as we went through. And if you, if you click over to the next page, there's, there's a lot of, um, I, I guess, uh, different terminology when it comes to what that particular document is called. Is it called a, a creative agency brief? Is it called a client brief? Is it called a marketing brief? For the purposes of this, we're gonna call it a marketing brief, and it's specifically the brief that sits between the marketer and the creative agency. So yes, there's a creative brief that, that happens most typically internally within, within an agency, and sometimes that's shared with marketers, but this is, this is the piece of information that is shared from a marketer uh, to a creative agency for the purposes of developing a creative solution. And we get asked all the time, um, why we're a media agencies, we're, we're a, you know, design agencies, we're, and they're coming, they're coming guys. If, they, if that is, if that is your, if that is what, what, what you're interested in, um, yes, we, we've had a lot of uh, requests for that. So again, in the future, that, that is something that we're, we're very much tabling and, and hopefully we can get to it. Um, but for this, that, that's what it's called. So the way that the study is set up, um, it's set up in three parts. Um, and so at the end of each part, we'd invite you to, to ask your questions. I can see there are a lot of questions coming through already, which is, which is great. Um, so the part one, part one is, is really identifying what that problem is. Part two is looking at the impact of that problem. And part three is looking at a few ways forward, how we can start to solve the some of these issues that we've identified. So um, in 
in clear text on on, on the um, on the slide there, you can see marketers and agencies are on on different planets, and um, the data is very clear in painting that picture. But I think before we get into some of those differences, it was important for us to understand where the similarities lie. We wanted to firstly understand whether a brief was important. Um, and what, what was the role of the brief? So, you know, we asked a statement, it's difficult to produce good creative work without a good marketing brief. And, and thankfully, we got a, a really strong response to this. So 89% of marketers, again, marketers orange, creative agencies blue, 86% of creative agencies thought that it was difficult to produce good creative work without a marketing brief. So immediately, we're, we were kind of validated in, in why we were doing this project um, and, and the importance of it moving forward. Um, and it was actually a statement that was um, first tabled once that, that slide clicks over uh, by the IPA. So the IPA used that statement um, in 2003. And so we wanted to include that in our study. Uh, just to see, sorry, we're just going jumping ahead of ourselves. We wanted to include that study in our state, in our, um, our statement, in our research, so we could see if there'd been any shifts over time. So that same statement that the IPA used, we used, and we actually noticed that there was a bit of a jump um, in in whether um, you know marketing briefs were important to produce good creative work. And I guess we could possibly argue that they've never been more important. So that's great. It's a great starting point for us to to see whether the research we were doing was actually worthwhile. So then we we um, we then looked at whether um, it was getting enough attention. So this was a, a, a quote from someone with many years' experience uh, in the advertising uh, sphere, and and um, people agreed with this statement that the brief is the most valuable, um, yet paradoxically the most neglected tools that marketers have to create good work. We understand it's important, we understand it's value, but we don't give it enough time, we don't give it enough attention, we don't give it enough care and nurture it through the process. So, you know, 90% on both sides um, agreed with that statement. But we also, we also looked at, um, it's not an easy task um, and writing briefs isn't an easy task because you have to distill all the business thinking, all the business knowledge into something that is um, you know, is valuable from a marketing perspective. So, and it's tough on the individual and organizations to, to distill that information and make sure that it's working as hard as it could. So it's, it's also um, worth us acknowledging that it is a tough task to do. So again, that's, that's the starting point that we wanted to, we wanted to make sure that we were on the same page with how important briefs were and they're not easy to write. Um, and they're not, easier um, the more experience you've had. So if you click over Peter Paul, um, we also wanted to find out whether um, tenure had a, had a role in, in, in whether you found marketing briefs hard to write. And actually, the more experience you have, the harder you find them to write, the more difficult they are. And maybe because you put more importance on them, maybe because you think that, you know, they are, um, you know, they're almost a contract between, well, they are a contract between um, a marketer and a, and a creative agency. So you want to make sure that every piece of information that you include is, is spot on. So again, they get tougher over time. But what I'll do is I'll hand over Peter Paul, who's going to take you through some of these stark differences that we found. You're on mute, Pete. Hey, Pete. And that's where the alignment ends. Um... Basically, this is the first gap of misalignment, and we're going to see a few of those. And here you can see that the majority of marketeers think uh, they're good at writing briefs. However, most agencies don't agree with that. But you have to be careful with this. We, we have to be really careful how we read this, because the easy answer is, oh, marketeers are all shit. And, but that's, that's, we think there's a lot more going on here. We have to ask ourselves the question, why is there such difference in opinion? Agencies might think 
if their clients don't write good briefs, but are they raising their hands? Are they saying, are they giving feedback and saying, hey, I don't understand your brief. Can you, can you please go back and, and, and make it a little bit better? And our clients checking in with their agencies if their briefs are landing. Hey, agency, just calling up the briefing that I gave you two days ago. Do you get it? Is it all clear? Or are we all good? Um, so th there, there's a little bit more to these, these gaps that we're going to see that meets the eye. This one really cool us, um, starting with the agencies in blue. Um, on the right side, you see there that only a quarter of the briefs that agencies receive they judge as good enough. 75% of the ACs they receive, they, they don't think are good enough. And then switching to the marketeers in orange on the top. So let's look at that 31%. And this is one of the facts that really intrigued us. 31% or one in three marketeers admit that the last three briefs they wrote weren't good enough. So that raises questions as well. Why, why do we send over a brief that isn't good enough? And again, we, we have to be careful here to jump to conclusions. There might be good reasons. We don't know why this is happening yet, but for sure it's a, it's a big problem. Here, um, this is an agency only question. And here we've asked agencies to um, choose the words that they thought best describe the marketing brief. And it's an equal amount of positive and, and negative words, six positive, six negatives. And I, I think you get the picture there. Um, you, can you can clearly see that unfocused, unclear, and, un uh, and dull are mostly associated with, with marketing briefs. And unfortunately, um, they're lacking clarity, craft, and sharpness, as you can see on the bottom. Um, then, so as strategists, we like to say that every brief basically needs to do two things, especially the marketing brief. Firstly, it should inform and provide the right level of information to those who you write the brief for. And secondly, it should direct. It should give you some kind of direction where you can find the answer and what needs to be done. And this is one of the most concerning uh, uh, um, gaps we found. Um, most marketeers believe that the briefs they write um, contain clear strategies, and most agencies disagree with that. So it is either, again, a story of misunderstanding. That's the, the agencies maybe not getting the strategy that is in the brief, or the brief not having a strategy at all. And then let's talk about language. In marketing, language is our most important tool. However, when it comes down to the most important document in our profession, the brief, we clearly don't understand each other. And um, it, it's, it's, it's sad to see this. So mar marketers think that the briefs they write contain clear language. And unfortunately, uh, most agencies disagree with that. So it's really important that, that we keep an eye on the buzzwords in our industry. Um, I, I sometimes call it marketing ease. We've got this language that we've developed that nobody else outside of marketing understands. And our advice here is try and use really simple language. Uh, I sometimes talk about Sesame Street simple language. But in order to get to really simple language in a brief, you need to craft and craft and craft. It costs a lot of time. It costs a lot of energy. And we know that it's hard, but that's what's really needed here because the current state is not good, as you can see. Uh, over to you, Vaughn. You're going to talk about emotional mismatch a little bit. 
<laughs> yeah, thanks, Peter-Paul. Um, I, I think in a, in a way what, what I'm about to show um, will come as a little surprise in the light of those the, the charts that we've just been through. And as somebody spends a lot of time looking at, uh, at quant numbers, yeah, I think, and I guess you guys will have picked up on it too, those differences are really huge. I mean, the differences between the two sides are incredibly striking. And, and, and to be honest, I think we were all surprised when we saw what was going on there. Um, we asked the question, which in a way kind of sums up the situation, which is about how marketers and agencies feel about but when, you know, on the one hand, when the market has written, written the brief and the agencies, when that brief turns up to them. And the way, the way I'm going to describe these two charts really are kind of, think of them as kind of very simple brain scra uh, scans. So, so on the, on the left-hand side, this is a slice, slice, slice through the, the emotional mindset of, of, of the people, your people sending out, sending out this, uh, this, uh, this brief. And essentially, emotions have two dimensions. On the one hand, am I feeling good? Am I feeling bad? And on the other, they've got a kind of, am I feeling this strongly? Or is it just a kind of passive sort of background hum? And if you, if, if you see that the kind of, the, the marketed brain as they send that brief, basically it's on the positive side that everything's lighting up. More so on the passive side than the really exciting side, but nonetheless, that's, that's where the action is. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's some anxiety, there's, there's a bit of negativity, 39% is not tiny on the active negative, but compare and contrast what's going on in, in, the, uh, in, in, the, in the agency brain, uh, the ping, 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 the stuff that's lighting up is, is, is top left, active, negative, emotional responses. Um, you, um, we look at a lot of these and it's very rare that you see something that is so kind of chalk and cheese. On the, you know, for the agency, the abiding emotion is negative. Obviously, for the for the marketer, the opposite. So we're seeing this this big significant difference, which kind of sums up all the things that have, have gone before. And of course, you know, when you dig into the data, there are differences amongst the responses amongst different people. So clearly, clearly, if, if, you're, if you're the composer of the brief, unsurprisingly, you feel all the more positive. This is looking at the kind of the two most active positive responses. So brief writers feel more strongly about, uh, more positively than, than those people who've just contributed a bit around the edges, perhaps understandably. The other really interesting thing is, is the way that uh, size of agency impacts on this, which, which you know, Again, this is a supposition, but it makes us feel that perhaps in smaller agencies, in smaller groups, people do tend to have more open, honest conversations. It's easier to have those kind of conversations. So that um, brings us to the end of um, part one. Um, food, potentially a lot of food for thought there. Um, we tasked Joe with a, with a quite difficult task of, um, of selecting some questions. And, and we said to him, uh, please make them easy. So Joe, what do you've got for us? <laughs> yeah, uh, there's some, been some phenomenal questions that have come in already. There's already 15 open questions, which is great. Um, rather than take them from the top, I want to sort of ask them from places that feel familiar uh, in, in the talk. So uh, just so the audience uh, know that. Uh, so the first one actually comes from Jess, uh, and Jess says, uh, where do you stand on the agency questioning or challenging the brief? 
uh, Jess finds it really uncomfortable when uh, they send a brief over, even for just very simple requests, and there's no questions. Uh, I feel like I want to ask questions. I, I, I want questions being asked of me to clarify that the brief's either been understood or there's an opportunity to collaboratively, uh, collaboratively develop uh, the brief. Um, but should I expect my brief uh, to have been perfect in the first instance? So I think there's a lot of hesitancy both in the Q&A and also the chat with folks sort of saying, you know, should a, a brief be questioned or does it need to be perfect in the first instance? Are, are we going about it the wrong way by just accepting the brief? Oh, um, maybe I'll start. Yes, you should absolutely question it. Yes, it is a massive issue in lots of relationships. We're seeing that people are hesitant to actually question the brief. No, the brief is probably never perfect the first time you receive it. And a potential way forward could be, or two potential ways forward could be, one, talk to the client, or as also for marketeers on the call, talk to your agency before you finalize the brief. Talk to each other, share notes, and don't let the brief be surprised on the day. So that's one way of managing it. Then afterwards, you can check in again, as I mentioned before. And um, another way of doing it, and this is why we made this report, um, we'll talk about it at the end, download this report and say, hey, there seems to be some issues around the world with briefings. It's not us, right? But let's have a chat anyway. Yeah. So use, we really we really hope this is a tool to start the conversation. And I guess when you sit somebody down and you say, hey, we want to give more feedback, we don't feel entitled. In most conversations, you actually say, okay, why is this happening and how can we make it happen? Mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you very much. Um, there is a question that comes off the back of it, um, of your answer there, which is from Joanne, uh, which is probably slightly broader here. Um, but also speaks to the nature of the problem, which is how much do you think, or how much does the panel think that the differences are due to the typical sort of transactional relationship that exists between clients and agencies? Um, so, you know, is, is it actually a problem? And I appreciate that you didn't ask this question specifically, so it's a bit more gut feel, but um, is it a transactional relationship between agencies and clients or is you know, is there something that needs to be done on a, on a far broader scale here? I, th I think it's our job to, yes, recognize that um, that could be the case, that there could be a transactional relationship happening. Um, but if that is the case, then there's lots of moments within the briefing process more broadly, not just the document that's handed over between a, a marketer and an agency, um, to, to manufacture some of that relationship, I think. Um, so to say, okay, well, let, let's build in a session before we even brief you to have a conversation around it. Um, let's, yes, let's build in a session around the brief. Let's build in a question session. Let's, let's build stuff around it to not make it feel transactional because uh, it, is, it is a great question because uh, there, is a, there is a type of relationship that has been established over the years where it is um, subservient in some, in some ways. And we hear that a lot of that anecdotally. Um, but I think we, we should take it upon ourselves to, to build more around it and make the briefing more of a ceremony only make it less transactional um, and, and get everyone excited by it. I love that. Uh, there's some great chat uh, comments coming in here from uh, Helen and Ollie sort of speaking about how it's, it's quite often like a parent-child relationship. You know, one is the expert and the other is, uh, as exactly to your word, Matt, uh, sort of subservient in the relationship. And then if you can sort of make it that sort of collaboration, uh, it, feels, it feels great. 
Um, what, what we're dealing in, Joe, what, we're making ideas. We're dealing in something very subjective and personal. Mm -hmm. and, and yes, this master-slave parent-child parent relationship is everywhere. So, so somebody said to us, it's, it's, it's not a relay race. It's more a scrum. That, that's how all parties involved should should see it because scrumming together to get to this subjective place is already hard enough. Sorry to interrupt. No, 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 that's spot on. It, it's really interesting. That's a really interesting reframe just on the whole relationship as well as uh, just the briefing process. So I think that's really productive and, and hopefully everyone watching in today sort of agrees as well that it sort of feels quite important that um, we move away from that place. Um, so there's that sort of education piece. Um, there are a, a lot more questions, but I feel like they're, they're sort of starting to move into sort of like about solutions and stuff like that so maybe if i encourage you to continue with the presentation then we can pick up some more on the sort of solutions and and uh the impact that this this has yeah great thanks thanks joe um unsurprisingly so part two does look at that impact and unsurprisingly there's lots of time money and energy being wasted and i think each of those dimensions is, is really important from a commercial perspective um, you've got yes um, for, for us that the people impact is, is almost as much as anything else um, people get frustrated lose motivation all that sort of stuff and, and we want to turn up to work every day feeling like we're validated and we've got you know great relationships that we can we can we can really build on so let's get let's get into it um, I guess the first impact and, and um, this is something that we've experienced and I'm sure we've all experienced and, and um, the idea of a rebrief is something that um, isn't isn't um, it doesn't come around lightly. Um, there is a lot of assessment that happens to, to say that yes, a rebrief is needed. But this this figure that you know almost seventy percent of of marketers and agencies believe that this happens too often um, was really really shocking for us. Um, this is this is a, a huge figure that that just says that you know this behaviour and, and this um, process is is, is broken. Um, we also had a, a look at um, you know what the the impact of these rebriefs are um, and tried to start to to quantify this. So this was um, based on a whole bunch of coded open ends um, that that Vaughan dug through quite diligently and we had some good conversations about. But unsurprisingly, time lost and wasted was was the biggest impact of that additional cost. You know, and, and these human things, confusion, demotivation, damaging relationship, um, they're really important in, in the way that we, we turn up to work and get stuff done and, and produce, you know, creative creativity at the end of it. Um, interestingly, only 9% thought that there was um, a positive effect or no problem to a rebrief, which um, we, we again found, found, found fascinating. We didn't dig into it too much, though. Um, this was, this, the, next, the next statement was um, rather surprising for, for, for us as well. And, in that it was a statement that was um, originally brought um, or, or you know, surfaced by the IPA in 2003, but this idea of using the creative process to clarify the strategy and that you're not really sure what strategy you're putting in, um, but you're sure that you can see it once once you get a creative idea at the end of it. Um, and 60% of marketers um, admit to doing this, um, admit to putting in a brief that um, they're not sure where it's headed, but then you know, using creativity um, and that process off the back of it to, to see if they've got the right answer that can solve some of their business challenges. So again, that, that's a really high figure. Um, and once we look at um, specifically, if you click on Peter Paul, uh, we look at um, how that shifted over time. Um, we see, and this is just the UK data, um, hence why that 57 is not 60. Um, we look at the UK data and, and agencies are relatively stable over time, but what we're seeing is a, is a big increase in, in marketers admitting to using the credit process um, to clarify 
that their strategy. So again, this is this is a worrying trend um, that hopefully we can we can nip in the bud. And lots of stuff going on with this one. Um, marketeers having more tools, less time. It, it's really interesting to dive into this one a little bit deeper. What's driving it? But things are getting worse. Okay, let, let's let, let us think for a second about good briefs and a, a good brief basically is the start point of every great campaign. A brief that, that addresses the right business problem will ensure effectiveness and return on investment. And getting the brief right means that you spend less time with expensive people like myself and creatives and designers because you need less rounds. But unfortunately, as we've seen, the opposite is happening. We've got a lot of poor briefs, poor quality briefs going into um, in-house uh, agencies and external creative minds and agencies. And when you do that, you actually narrow the thinking. It leads to shallow uh, uh, creative thinking, shallow strategies, shallow concepting, and it ultimately leads to mediocre ideas. We present those back then to the brand owner and the brand owner obviously isn't gonna be happy with some mediocre thinking. Um, and we have to go again and again and again and again. Think about maybe, maybe, ah, let's try something. Everybody, let's put into the chat, thinking about how many times it takes for you to get uh, an idea right. How many, as a marketeer, how many rounds do you go through? And as an agency, how many rounds do you go through? So let's, I'm not sure this is going to work, but put a number in. Yay, on average. Shit, don't know. I'm trying to see the result. What's happening, Joe? Well, uh, first of all, I love the framing of the question. Uh, let's try something. Let's see how it works out. Shit. Uh, <laughs> it's just the best way. Uh, but the answers, uh, a lot of threes and fours, uh, a few fives. I love this answer from Philippa, who says our in-house studio typically takes four to five rounds, uh, three to five. So yeah, I'd say we're somewhere between three and five uh, based on, on the answers. Although Aoife has been very honest and said, I lose count, uh, which I think is also uh, probably also representative of the truth. <laughs> So that number three, we hear that a lot. We've, we've been hearing it coming from the US. But let's just think about this, right? All of us already know that it's going to take probably three times to get it right. Bit of an issue when you think about it, right? There you go. So let's take that away and think about that. Um, so additional rounds, on average three to five, which will lead to more sp money spent more time spent, more time people working and not doing the stuff they want and like in their pastime, which ultimately will impact and affect people's motivation and people's well-being, and which will ultimately frustrate the relationship between brand owner and agency, and which can then lead to a departure. And in some cases, as, as Joe shared with us, even, even a lawsuit if you take it to the really extreme level. So this is happening way too often. And let's let's take that three to five number away today and think about next time when we deal with a brief, when we receive one or when we write one, hey, how can we get just one less round? If we move away from that today, if, if that's our takeoff from today, that, that's a big win for a lot of people because a lot of people are impacted by briefs. 
All right. So then we went a bit ambitious and we thought, how can we put a number on, on all of this? How can we get to, to some kind of, of, of grasp of, of the amount of time and money that is wasted uh, due to poor quality briefs? And we couldn't, uh, we couldn't work with currencies. So we asked people, what is the uh, percentage of the marketing budget you think goes to waste due to poor briefs and misdirected work. And that's the number that came back, 33%. And we, were, we had to, to be careful with this number because if, it was, if people around the world had very different opinions about it, 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 it doesn't mean much. But marketeers and agencies were, were fairly aligned. Uh, and marketeers um, estimated at about 30%, agencies at about 37%, not big differences uh, between countries either. Now, this is a hypothetical figure, but if say that a third of the time is wasted or can be spared, flip it into a positive. You can have a third more time or more budget if we fix this problem. And that's really powerful. Um, and then we plan for another Q&A. Shall we steam through, Joe, or shall we do a quick Q&A? Let's let's carry on through because I think yep. we can then right. go back and, and look back with the Q and A. All good. So some suggestions, um, and the first one is all about strategy. So we did some smart cross tabulation, and we actually found that if you make sure that the briefs you give to your agencies contain clear strategic direction, those agencies are twice as motivated and as energized and actively positive as per those brain scans that Vaughn showed you to work on those briefs, like important stuff. And then objectives, objective, objectives. When it comes down to the marketing brief, the brief that's going from marketing to agencies, the, by far the one thing that everybody screams for is objectives. And please note that Agencies want, <laughs> want even more objectives compared to the marketeers. And it's objectives that make sense, objectives that are linked. Matt and I like to talk about linked objectives. So what are you trying to achieve commercially? What kind of behavior is needed to achieve that commercial result? And what do we need to switch in people's brain, in people's attitude to achieve that behavior, to realize that behavior, and to realize that uh, financial results. So that's that's what, when we talk about linked objectives, it's a whole topic in itself, but make sure those objectives are in there and that you thought about them properly. Inside, yes, they are important, but not as much, and same for target group. So further to the point I spoke about earlier um, around bringing more structure to the process, um, you know, it's something that uh, the marketers are identifying is, is, an, is an important thing to do. Um, so 7 in 10 marketers admit that or you know, want more structure in the briefing process. What that looks like is, is really different depending on the relationship and, that you have with your agency or your, or your client um, and because people work differently. So again, you may need to assess the situation and say, okay, well, this is the process that maybe worked in the past and, and how do we tweak it for the future and, and for the current relationship I'm in. But again, this desire for more process, uh, for more structure is, is, is really interesting for us. Um, and then as a part of that, um, that structure, what we also found was um, half the time, the right people weren't signing off the marketing brief um, internally. So 
briefs are getting put forward to agencies that again are, you know are almost becoming um almost a black hole within marketing organizations or within organizations because people haven't seen them people aren't signing them off and people aren't aligned internally it was it was a big issue that we found was um it wasn't just the the, the friction point between creative agencies and marketers it was actually the friction that happens internally within organizations as well um trying to align people trying to get you know um the research, the R&D division to give you the insights that you need, to get the information that you need, to make sure that you're managing up and down through that whole process is, is, a, is, a, is a battle and it's a struggle that we're recognising. And this is this is maybe going half the way um, to, to helping solve that. So I guess, I guess we're going to leave you with um, with a few uh, with a few comments from us. Um, Peter Paul's gone right to the end. Um, but I guess for us, um, you know, it is, whilst it's a tale of, of two cities, there's no, there's no one who's, who's wrong in this camp or right in this camp. Um, what, we, what we would advise is that, yes, marketers, make sure that you're clear on your strategies, use clear and simple language. You know, don't send briefs to agencies that you're not happy with. That 31% of, of marketers who are doing that, that's, that's, a, high, that's a high figure that we want to see um, resolved. But creative agencies, you don't be passive or silent in this process. Clarify what's missing, what's, what's unclear, um, because better briefs are actually your responsib responsibility too. So it's a, it's a two-way street, and we want to make sure that um, both marketers and creative agencies are taking what they need from this to have productive conversations about briefs. Um, again, I, I, can't, I can't stress that enough, that it is no one's fault that this is happening, but there's a way forward that we can start to make things better. And then maybe to make things better, um, as we already alluded to, use these stats. There are even more stats in the free report ready to download on our website. Get that report and sit your agency or your uh, marketeer down. Have a conversation about it and say, hey, is this us or not? Um, if you want to know more from me and Matt, um, we are organizing a brief writing training. Shameless advertising here, but we're at, at, at guys. Um, We've trained many brands, we've trained many marketeers, and we would love to train you. Um, and then for the best research around, he's right there, Vaughn Flood. Um, I've worked with him for eight years. So that's it for us. End of the shameless advertising. Let's go back to, to, the, to the tips, maybe, and questions. Lovely. Thank you very much indeed, chaps. Um, that, was, that was really great. And the chat feature throughout has been... Uh, just really, really interesting. Actually, I, I feel like you're going to get a, a lot of qualitative data uh, from from the chat feature alone here. So I'll make sure to share it because uh, I think the whole community is sort of really engaged with this this subject, and it's been great to sort of put a little bit of a a microscope on on this one part of the process, um, which I think a lot of us probably there was a couple of comments which sort of said, you know, uh, I'll spend half an hour writing a brief or something like that because it's one of many things that I have to do. Um, but actually here we've outlined the importance. So thank you very much for that. There are um, 28 open questions <laughs> right now. Uh, so um, we'll, we'll do our best. And, and I would emphasize to uh, everyone watching, but also to the panel that some of these are sort of like more anecdotal. So, um, you know, it, it might sit outside of the brief, but given, uh, given your expertise, then hopefully we can lean on that as well, chaps. So, uh, if we can start with Haley, uh, Haley's got a great question here, um, which is what are the best examples of briefing meetings or sessions that you've encountered? Uh, Haley always emphasizes that it's not just the document, but it's also how it's briefed in. 
but it still tends to be a meeting rather than a series of stories of sailing or driving. Uh, so Haley would love some more inspiration. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd love to ask that question. That was a really great one. So uh, over to you. So maybe, okay, so just so we're clear, the brief is the document and the briefing is the process. And you need to invest time in both. The more time you invest in the process, the more you embed and train and, and, and take your agencies and your creative minds into your world, into the service or product that you're selling. So it's really important that you do that. Um, and even if you even even if you if you think that you 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 might be selling something really boring, uh, a boring product or a boring service, it is still super important to get carried away with the benefit letter of that product and 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 to deliver that enthusiasm and passion for what you're selling. And I worked for a long time on a, a, a stationary retailer. Like when they told me that I was going to work on a stationary retailer, I wasn't too enthusiastic about it. <laughs> I got carried away with it and briefed me properly and we we, we, we we really fired each other up and as at the end their briefs came first I took more 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 care of those briefs so marketeers on the call if you put more time and energy in your briefings your agency will spend more time and love on that brief that you've given in and put it on top of the pile instead of on the bottom yeah, to give you another tangible example, sorry, we could we could talk about this for ages. Another tangible example is I was working on a um, for a yogurt company, uh, so I was uh, running the account for for a yogurt company, and um, yeah, with part of their marketing strategy was to to promote how versatile their particular yogurt was, um, and you know, in, instead of just writing those as words in, in their brief, they actually got us into a um, a kitchen space that hired. Um, they brought in a chef. And we actually cooked with their product three, four, five, five different dishes of varying cuisine just to just to see how versatile it was. So that immersion um, in their product was, you know, and it's you know, it's a tub of yogurt. Um, again, got everyone really excited and enthused about about the work we're about to do. Oh, can I do one more? Oh yeah. Uh, so I was working for Lurpak in the UK, and Lurpak is three times as expensive as anything else. So they flew all of us to Aarhus in Denmark, where the factory is, and we got a factory tour. And I tell you, every food and snack factory is all the same, lots of pipes and lots of fast moving, all those kind of things, conveyor belts. But the thing that struck us was there were three guys in the Lurpak factory, and every day they would come in and they take not a teaspoon, but a full, full spoon, soup spoon, and they would taste every batch of Lurpak put it in their mouth, swivel it around and spit it out. And we left that day absolutely convinced that this was the best butter in the world. It's butter, right? Butter is butter is butter. So anyway, I'll show <laughs> That's a phenomenal. I love it. And, and actually, you know, what you're seeing on, on screen here is, is the passion is the enthusiasm because they have taken you through that process. Um, you know, I, I'm very admittedly a, a marketing nerd, but I get excited by this sort of stuff. And it's cool to see you be excited by it. But that's as a result of the process that you went through. Uh, so thank you for sharing that. I, that, you know, in, in my nerdy way, that was really, really cool to hear. So thank you so much. Um, the next question comes from Simon, and, and this might be something you're working on. I don't know. So um, there's a couple of questions on this as well. Uh, Simon asks, are there any examples or templates of 
good marketing briefs that people use. And I, I would probably add to that. Um, should you seek out templates or is it supposed to be a, a very custom process every time? Let's start with objectives. Like start, start with the basics, get the basics right. Don't go too fancy. Um, just get the basics right first. So be clear on what you're trying to do, who you're trying, who you're trying to sell to, or who you're trying to change their mind and be clear on the product that you're selling. Um, and, and, and when, when, when you got that right, then you can go into a custom build, um, um, framework. I don't, uh, there's lots of frameworks out there and they're not very different, but I think every relationship always needs a, a custom build framework. It's usually the same ingredients, but it's sometimes tweaked a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's something that, uh, I go to first when I, when I receive a brief, um, I go straight to the objectives box. Um, and then I see if the rest of the story makes sense of, of the objectives that have been set. Um, because the, the rest of it has to be a, co- a coherent line through. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I can't echo that enough from, from Peter Paul that objectives are, are critical. And if I could just very briefly jump in here. I mean, many, many years ago, so, you know, somebody said to me, you know, the, the lovely line, I didn't have time to make it shorter. Um, and, and I think that that is, is still such a key thought because one of the problems with, with, with briefs that we, everyone receives is it's, it's, a, it's a potpourri of, there's lots of interesting bits in there, but you, sometimes you just don't know which bit to pick up, which bit to, and if, if you hand it over like that, chances are the creatives, the agency is gonna, is gonna pick on something they find really interesting, which may or may not actually be the bit that they ought to be picking up. So if you can simplify, if you can find the time to make it shorter, it's it's generally good. I think that's more important than some specific T T frame or whatever kind of model that you're you're looking at. Perfect. Thank you very much. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I appreciate it. The next question comes from Louise, and actually this is an interesting one, uh, based on an email that was received. Um, in response to advertising this event and perhaps i can um encourage peter paul to sort of speak about this in answer to this question here as well which is um should briefing expectations and process and process be written into agency and service and client service agreements from the start of the relationship and does the panel agree there is uh, different levels of briefs and some need to be more strategic than others well so much there Maybe maybe we we close. Uh, I'll start with the end. With yes, there's different types of briefs. There's obviously ideas briefs where you need to create something that doesn't exist. And as soon as you have the idea, it's a production brief, and it's a little bit easier because it's well, I call it a task brief or a production brief. Uh, so there's less pressure on that document to be exactly right. Whereas that first one is a really expensive document because you've got more people working on it that are more expensive and more pe- and it touches more people. Um, Louise, um, you, you shared, if I may, you, you, you shared a story that um, you you were an expert witness in a, in a case that, uh, uh, as if I remember correctly, a marketeer sued their agency and I dropped off my, I, I fell out of bed, I was in bed, so I fell out of bed because I didn't <laughs> know that was actually possible that a marketeer could sue an agency and we're now looking into Australia and we're going to check it in the US because 
if this is true, we would love to connect with you because it is mind blowing. And all of a sudden, going back to Jess and other comments before, there is a real big responsibility on the shoulders of the agencies to push back when stuff isn't clear. And all of a sudden then there's a lot more pressure on the agencies to make sure that objectives are clear and linked. And it's not just sell 10% more. How are we gonna tell, how are we gonna sell the 10%? That is the marketeer's job. It's not the agency's job. And there's too many briefs that just have commercial goals in it without the strategy in it. The agency can't start without the strategy in it. Then it should be written into service agreements. That is. Well, what we have seen, let me, let me jump in, Peter. But what we, what we have seen is a trend towards a more project by project kind of model for our industry. Um, we were talking to, to a journalist not the other day who, who said, you know, that is, is our retainers, other retainers a thing of the past? Um, and, and maybe, you know, part of that is, is, is part of this issue as well, is that, um, you know, marketers aren't, aren't getting what they want and creative agencies, um, you know, feel a little bit like they're on the back foot. Um, so that model is, is changing within the industry as well, whether it's for the better or not, you could argue both ways, I think. But um, yeah, to, to run into a, a service um, agreement would be, um, would at least put a, put a stake in the ground. So try it out. Nice. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll probably take this last one from uh, Claire, which is actually about the survey itself. And, and Claire asks, uh, were there any differences across geographies in how the client agency relationship works around briefing? Uh, so Claire's experience is that uh, she's found that uh, US clients are a lot more into communicating, whereas UK clients just want us to get on with it. And European clients sit somewhere in between. So very anecdotal there, but did, was that proved through the data? Well, the other two went on mute. Um, <laughs> it's been a wild ride so far. So um, we launched two weeks ago at FWorks. Uh, we, we've looked up some top line data. The top line data seems to be fairly consistent amongst most metrics that we showed you. There's a little bit more in sitting in anecdotal. Yes, agency client relationships are very different in different parts of the world. We got off a call the other day with with uh, with. with people from the trade organization in India, where there's other dynamics as well. We haven't looked into it enough yet to give you a proper answer there, but probably yes, different dynamics, but still the same, right? A, a brief, see a brief as a contract, a contract between two parties. And the contract, when it comes down to your mortgage or buying a car, shouldn't be broken. So why are we writing poor contracts? Why are we changing? contracts halfway through and I guess that no matter which country you're in we should just focus more on the contract and making the contract better Spot on. anything to add at all Matt Vaughan no I would just I suppose I, my feeling is I think I think when we dig into it I think it, we undoubtedly will pick up on some 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 kind of cultural differences across the world but, and I and I've sympathized with what you say about the US UK difference but I think what was most striking was how how different things were within the same market so I think it, the issues are more at the kind of you know the, the client agency relationship at a kind of personal individual level than they are cross cultures interesting 
Perfect. There are a couple of questions I'm really excited to dig into, um, which again, you know, to Peter Paul's comment, we haven't had a chance to, but you know, whether a, whether a written brief is always required, um, you know, some of us sitting on this call mm. would think that yes, that's a no brainer. Um, but in, in some, in some markets, it's, it's, a, it's a typical thing um, speaking anecdotally. So again, there, there's lots in there that we're, we're still excited to, to jump into. That's awesome. So where, where is the future of this? I mean, like what's the next step for, for, for all of this? You mentioned, uh, different types of brief and stuff like that. Where are you taking this? Well, I think, I think the first thing for us is um, to get this into as many people's hands as possible. Um, that's so we'll be, we'll be uh, you know, on the virtual road for, for a while yet, I think, um, because our aim is, is to, you know, um, yeah, stimulate those conversations with, with greater objectivity that has been in the past. So for, for all intents and purposes, this is our focus for, for the next foreseeable. But you know, we're open to, to um, suggestions and comments, and, and we've already already been, I guess, approached by a few trade organisations uh, wanting to, to dive a bit further into into some of these areas, and even um, academic bodies as well. So it's it's who, who knows what the future holds, but we're we're pretty excited to get there. That's awesome. That's really really cool. Um, and and like you know, I, I put in the advertising event. It feels like it's an important moment. Uh, so you know, it's really really exciting. Uh, Folks, our time is up. In fact, we're two minutes over, which, uh, you know, hopefully you'll forgive us for. So uh, thank you very, very much, uh, Peter Paul, Matt, Vaughan, uh, for, for being here for your research, for putting that microscope on something that seems really, really important, but I don't think it sounds like has been before. Thank you also to everyone in the chat. I mean, the chat today has been phenomenal. Um, I'm, I'm going to share this with you afterwards, uh, panelists, because like I think... Uh, you, you've got some phenomenal insight there as well from the community. Um, so thank you to everyone for, for keeping that chat going and, and like such an interesting discussion on the side here. And that's really appreciated. Um, also, if I could make one ask, it would be uh, to uh, share on social media afterwards your, your big takeaway um, from today's session, whether that's LinkedIn, Instagram or Twitter. Let us know what you took away. Um, I'd really appreciate that. Um, so yeah, and I will also share the the report in the follow up email uh, straight after here as well. So uh, with all that said, thank you very much. Have a fantastic Tuesday, everyone. Thank you for spending the time with us. Um, I will to the questions here that have just come in from Helen and Jess. I'll link uh, the the email uh, the website afterwards as well, so you'll have all the information you need. Uh, so that's it. Thank you all. Have a fantastic Tuesday. Thank you all so much for being here. And we will see you uh, very soon next week about storytelling. Take care.